You know, I think partnering with a makerspace makes a lot of sense. You know, it provides a lot of flexibility. It gives you access to uh, a different set of talent than you would probably hire on your own. And it also, uh, I think, provides a different environment for your employees to come to from time to time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the AEM Thinking Forward podcast, advancing the equipment manufacturing industry. I'm Dusty Weiss, AEM's professional nerd, tech junkie, and podcast host. And in this episode, business incubators and makerspaces. They're more than just trendy buzzwords that are popping up in cities around the country. And some companies are even tapping into these talent pools as a way to address the technology gaps in their own workforce. We'll hear from one major employer that's capitalizing on this talent model and tour M-Hub, one of the Midwest's premier business incubators. Plus, some of the other voices at AEM's most recent Thinking Forward event in Chicago, all in today's program. These are the sorts of fresh ideas we're dedicated to bringing you here on the AEM Thinking Forward podcast. Each month, we explore a new subject area to help keep your business on the cutting edge of the equipment manufacturing industry. If you haven't yet, subscribe to our feed so that you get updated every time that we put out a new edition of the podcast. Tell your friends about it, too, if this is their sort of thing as well. And if you enjoy these insights, you should also subscribe to our twice-weekly e-newsletter, The Industry Advisor. Some recent advisor headlines include what American drought conditions mean for ag finances, a new partnership between Raven and Farmer's Edge, and a look at the sharp increase in residential construction fall deaths. Check out AEM.org news for more on these and other stories. So on with the show. At AEM's most recent Thinking Forward event in Chicago, we met a fellow by the name of Jeff Garasha. Jeff is the chief innovation officer at Marmon Holdings, the parent company of some 200 manufacturers. But with all that, Jeff had a toaster problem that ultimately many manufacturers might be able to relate to. We developed some new technology to rapidly toast. Uh, we can actually toast a bagel in as quick as six seconds. Um, the problem with the technology is that um, if you don't turn it off at the right time, your bagel, instead of being toasted, will be charcoal. Because when you think about it, you know, toasting isn't just as simple as put the bagel in the toaster and press the button. Uh, you know, the, the variables involved are, are significant. What's the ambient temperature? What's the ambient humidity? How old is the bagel? How dry is the bagel? What type of bagel is it? You know, that's why when you toast a bagel at home, you know, you, you toast it on Monday and it's perfect and you leave the settings exactly the same on the toaster and you come back on Tuesday and it's either underdone or overdone. And you're like, wait, what the hell happened? This frustrating example is an issue that many manufacturers grapple with as they try to move into 21st century technology like sensors, the Internet of Things and machine learning. Marmon's design team knew that these technologies could help them toast the perfect bagel, but they didn't have the talent pool to develop an IoT solution. But that's where a unique partnership comes in with an organization called M-Hub in Chicago. M-Hub bills itself as a business incubator and makerspace. M-Hub's members pay a monthly subscription fee, in return for which they're given office space, support, and every type of tool and manufacturing equipment they could possibly need. Accordingly, it's become a home to dozens of startup businesses full of aspiring entrepreneurs and engineers. Marmon Holdings is a primary sponsor of M-Hub, but what makes this partnership unique, Jeff says, is that his company is actually able to dip into M-Hub's deep pool of technology talent. When I came on board uh, last July, uh, I inherited responsibility for that relationship. 
and uh, you know, I was kind of told if you don't think there's any value in it, we can we can kill it. Um, and so I tried to look to see if there is some value in it because you know we're uh, we're pretty dedicated capitalists at Marmon, so you know we're we're not doing this as a charity. We're doing this because we think it helps us make more money. And uh, what we found was that you know they have a unique set of skills here. Uh, a lot of uh, members are experts in sensors, connected devices, software, other electronics, uh, and that's a skill set that uh, we need from time to time and generally don't need enough of it to develop it in-house. So uh, we have been using uh, MHub in a variety of ways to provide uh, outsourced innovation capabilities uh, that we've been able to leverage into our new de uh, product development process fairly well. One thing that we hear from our member companies, of course, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers is made up of 990 companies around North America that build heavy equipment that you see on construction sites and in farm fields. And one thing that we hear from them as they try to adapt these new and emerging trends and technologies is they have such a hard time getting that sort of top-notch software engineering and innovation uh, talent uh, to come on board with their organizations. Um, when you hear about uh, a dearth of talent like that, uh, do you see more places like this as a solution to that? Yeah, I think you know when it comes to talent, there's uh, you know sort of the the classic uh, um, own or rent uh, decision, right? Do you hire a full-time employee that you have them available all the time, or do you you know hire uh, an outside firm or a consultant or someplace like MHub uh, where you can uh, acquire the talent on sort of a an has-needed basis? Um, you know, what makes MHub unique is that uh, most of the members here are actually in the process of starting companies up themselves. Um, and so because of that, they tend to have really good cutting-edge skills in, uh, in certain areas related to IT and electronics. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, you know, because they're starting up a company, they generally have no revenue coming in. And, hey, they still have to pay the rent here, pay the rent in their apartments. Um, and so the chance to work on projects from time to time is, uh, is apparently fairly welcome. So one of the things I think we've discovered is that uh, you know, we can acquire talent uh, likely higher caliber in nature than we would be able to hire um, to work on our projects for a short period of time. Um, we've gotten feedback that you know, we generally bring in pretty interesting projects, so it's uh, something that they're uh, um, motivated to work on. Uh, and again, because uh, we don't need them all the time, they have an opportunity to uh, continue to pursue their, uh, uh, their main interests. So that's something that we're, we're looking to, I think, expand upon is to you know, leverage more sort of uh, ad hoc talent rather than uh, always build it into the organization. And so a lot of this seems to, at least as you described it, work on a short-term basis where you need the talent, you bring them in, they work for a little while, you pay them a contract fee, and then you're done. But have you acquired any long-term hires as a result of your partnership here at MHUB? Um, not yet. We have interviewed a few people for roles, and unfortunately, we're not able to uh, secure them. I know uh, one of them went someplace else, and uh, you know, one of the other ones, the timing just wasn't quite right. Um, it is something we are keeping our eye on. So obviously, has uh, has a potential source of talent. But you know, I think you know, really, given Marmon's unique operating structure, where we're actually a collection of 200 individual companies, you know, it'd be it'd be rare for one of our companies to need. Uh, a talent like you would find here at MHub on a full-time basis. So in some ways, you know, having uh, the ability to work here on a project basis actually might be better for us than it would be to go off and hire the people full-time. Gives us more flexibility to bring in the level of talent we need, the amount of talent that we need, uh, and so far we've done pretty well in terms of, you know, engaging quickly when the, uh, when the project opportunities strike. If MHub's freestyling business model could win over a self-described dedicated capitalist like Jeff Garasha, 
I had to see it in action for myself. I also really wanted to meet some of the entrepreneurs that use this organization as their home base. So I signed up for the next tour and was introduced to Bill Feenup, M-Hub's co-founder and director of innovation. Um, it started from a series of struggles being an entrepreneur. Um, and I felt myself kind of spinning my wheels alone in my apartment trying to come up with the next product innovation. And it was a challenge. Um, I noticed there are other entrepreneurs having similar challenges. Um, and, you know, we teamed up, um, kind of moving out of my apartment, got rented our first space. And the hope was to share, you know, uh, some tools and resources um, because you're not always using the equipment. You know, the 3D printer is sitting there idle most of the time, but if you can share that resource, you know, the, the philosophy was we'd be able to buy more, more tools and equipment. Um, it turned out that the community was the biggest asset. As we started growing, we found that just having all those brains uh, and skill sets in one room was really what benefited um, everybody else. Um, and it was sort of that open innovation, the sharing of ideas, helping each other out, um, and bouncing, you know, uh, concepts off of other entrepreneurs uh, that really created the, the greatest value. Um, and we moved into this space a little over um, almost two years ago uh, and officially launched uh, last year in February. So we have 860 people in our community. If you look at the, uh, the skills and disciplines, there's a lot of mechanical engineers. Um, but also, I want to point out there's a, a large focus in business. Um, about 10% of our members you know, our CEOs or uh, their business strategists. Um, we also have a lot of electrical engineers, computer science, um, and a variety of other engineering disciplines. Um, if you look at the types of companies in this space, there's a lot of, um, a lot of IoT, smart cities, uh, um, product engineering consultants. A lot of these consumer products, you know, they're connected devices, they're smart products. Um, so we have a very large focus in sort of the internet of things. If you look at where the companies are uh, in the stage, you know, most of them are between design and development, um, product validation and testing, and, and launching and manufacturing their product. And then we have uh, about a fourth of the companies are in the growth stage. So they already have a product in the market and they're developing kind of the next idea uh, within this space. Um, some other major accomplishments in the, in the first year we've been open here at M-Hub on this site, um, collectively, the members generated about $20 million in revenue, um, and they raised about $40 million in capital. We continued the tour in M-Hub's shared workspace, a large open-concept hall with row after row of desks and workbenches. It was early in the day, but already dozens of young entrepreneurs bustled around in blazers, and engineers hunched over their work in jeans and t-shirts. The crowd definitely skewed toward well-educated, ambitious 20-somethings, and it was evident why Jeff Garasha from Marmon sees this as such a pool for young talent. So we have such a d diverse group of skill sets here, and they're experts in a variety of different fields. Um, and we've got such a knowledge base of that talent. So when people join here, they log their skill sets. They kn we know what software they're using. We know what disciplines and backgrounds they're coming from. You know, we know if they have uh, experience fabricating in certain areas, um, you know, or you know, what, what industry they're in. Uh, and so when, um, say, Marmon Group comes to us with a challenge, we can assemble a team, you know, and, and we have over 400 people to pick from. We can curate the optimal team for that challenge. And usually it's not just, if it's an engineer, a mechanical engineering challenge, we'll put physicists in the same room. You know, we'll have a materials expert um, because it's that diversity of thought and um, 
I guess, viewing a problem from, from different angles that really creates the best opportunities. Uh, and they're compensated, um, you know, uh, very well for the time they put in. Um, and what it allows a startup here is to extend their run one way quite a bit. Um, because a lot of our startups are pre-revenue, uh, and so they're not generating income. Um, entrepreneurs typically, you know, they'll, they tend to sleep in, but then they, they work all night. Uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of what I noticed. So the activity picks up around here, like 10, 10, 30, 11, and then it, you know, it goes all night. So, um, so this is the facility. This is the, the Marmon co-working space. So this is where a lot of collisions happen between um, the talent here. And so uh, for 300 bucks a month, you get access to a shared desk um, over here. We also have reserve desks over there by the windows, and those are $410. Uh, we have a bunch of CAD stations, about a million dollars worth of software um, on those stations. Uh, so we have partnerships with Autodesk and SolidWorks, so we get access to their licenses. Seems to me like this is the kind of space where if the companies that come in contract with you here weren't here, they'd be operating out of a garage somewhere, mm -hmm. more likely than not. What advantages do they have here over sort of the traditional Silicon Valley working out of my garage method. Sure, well I think here we have, we have about $5 million worth of equipment. Um, so we're, we're standing in the electronics lab and um, you know, it would be a waste of capital for uh, someone who's bootstrapping to purchase all this equipment, especially if you're only gonna use it a few times. Um, you know, behind you have oscilloscopes, um, multimeters, uh, function generators, um, power supplies, soldering equipment, reworking equipment. And you know each of these benches are anti-static. We're standing on an anti-static floor. Um, this facility was previously uh, run by Motorola Mobility, so they were manufacturing cell phones. Uh, and so we we got very lucky with about 22 million dollars of infrastructure in this building. Um, and um, you know just, if you just look at the ceiling, all the power um, that comes into this building is is um, incredible. Looking around this space and just sort of describing it as best I can, it's just a massive space with about 20 feet of headroom and metal conduits running everywhere. I just see all this big equipment that's ready to use and jump on, mm -hmm. and, and that's sort of the point, isn't it? Yeah, we've got nine CNC's um, in the shop here. Um, we've got an injection molder over there. What we do is we train everyone on how to use this equipment. All the training is free, um, and so if, if you want to learn how to create a tool path and then jump on the CNC machine, you can, and it takes about a couple of days. Um, and so that really empowers people um, to do it themselves. When engineers are able to try new things without the risk of the cost of having to develop it themselves, mm -hmm. uh, what do you find that does for the creativity and the innovation of the process? Um, I think it really opens the doors for a lot more innovation. Um, it gives them more freedom than they uh, you know, would initially expect if um, Rather than sinking a lot of money into certain processes, they can take their time, uh, develop themselves, and and I think when they're exposed to a lot more tools, um, they design new processes and, and new ways of, of building and making and inventing um, just because they have access to another tool or manufacturing method here. It kind of takes the shackles off in yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, certainly it does. Bill continued the tour past the laser cutting lab and the textiles lab, and then we stopped in front of a row of garage bay doors, several of which hung open with teams of people huddled around workbenches inside. These spaces are also available for rent to companies that need the extra space and privacy. Um, and so it's great for companies that want quick access to tools and they're actually, you know, building and 
um, and making prototypes to have access to that um, style environment. It kind of helps recreate the Silicon Valley experience in a way. Yeah, I mean, you can start your company here in a garage and, um, and continue to grow it. So it's great to have access to this amount of table space for projects if you're taking apart something, um, you know, or, or putting uh, inventory together. Through another set of doors, a smaller laboratory, and a million dollars of 3D printing equipment sitting neatly in rows. So this is our 3D printing lab. Um, this is sponsored by Fisher Unitech. Uh, we've got four types of 3D printing technology in here. Um, this is a selective laser sintering technology that, um, that melts uh, nylon particles together. So it takes nylon powder and uses a laser and an oven to, to get really high resolution, uh, very strong prototypes. And uh, this is a, uh, a polyjet, so it um, has a UV curable resin in here um, that cures under UV light. This machine directly deposits um, that material and it can uh, provide a variety of different durometers and flexibility uh, and, and also very high resolution parts. What's great about, um, about having access to M-Hub is this technology is subsidized. So this costs a fraction of what it would cost if you were to outsource and, and pay a vendor to 3D print. When you come in the morning, your parts are done and um, you can clean them yourself or you know, just wait, uh, wait for someone else to clean them. So you get you can do a lot more iterations quickly at a much lower cost. And this one's just running right here working on a project for somebody around here? Right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what this project is. Um, we've got about 150 companies in space. Man, I want one of those so bad in my garage. It was one of our more advanced 3D printers. Um, people do low volume production runs so they don't have to purchase tooling. Um, and they actually sell products, you know, from the 3D printed parts and uh, it has, it does have the material strength as plastics. But, um, so we, we're only utilizing 25% of our space here. Um, you know, there was lots more to see in M-Hub's 63,000 square foot space. There was a metal shop with welders, grinders, and benders at the ready. There was a wood shop. Well, I can tell by the smell in the air that this has got to be the wood shop. <laughs> I grew right. up around this smell. So. Yeah, so um, this is our wood shop. We've got lots of woodworking equipment in here. We stepped um, into the environmental lab. Um, you can uh, hear and smell the environmental test chambers running. So we've got uh, two thermal chambers. They do heat and humidity cycles. Um, and then I got to meet some of the entrepreneurs that run their businesses out of M-Hub, like Katya Ivanik. We are a mobility as a service company. We use electric vehicles that we manufacture. So we bring these electric vehicles to low-income communities, to senior homes, and provide uh, an affordable first last mile transportation service. We bought all the assets and brought the vehicle here, upfitted it with sensors and um, an in-car display to uh, create an IoT on wheels, essentially. But ultimately, Bill says this is the sort of outside-the-box thinking that companies like Marmon need to tap into. They express struggle of getting access to talent. You know, maybe they have a suburb location, um, but, you know, uh, it's hard to recruit that young talent coming out of universities. And we have access to some of that talent to solve those industry challenges. So I think the largest benefit that manufacturers get if they don't have engineers or they don't have the bandwidth to develop a new product or maybe they want to make, say, a smart power drill and they, they don't have sort of the expertise that it takes. Um, what's great is, you know, um, the members here do have that expertise. They can create these smart connected products astoundingly quickly. One of those engineers is 20-something Henry Africano. You remember Marmon's toaster problem from the beginning of the episode, right? 
Well, he was part of the brainstorming team that helped them create a working prototype that solved that problem in less than a month. It comes down to innovation and sometimes the corporate environments aren't the best friends to innovation just from the, the natural flow of the, the space. Um, but here there's, it's, it's way more of a freestyle, <laughs> freestyle work environment work through things pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I get the feeling that a lot of people who join up here do it because they like their freedom. They like right. being able to yep. set their own schedule and they like sort of that uh, free agent mentality. Right, it's a, it's a trade-off, right? It's a trade-off between that and security, right? And um, a place like this kind of offers at least that much more security to the whole premise of being on your own. Mm -hmm. So that's like a major, a major up, upside to this place. It's like, okay, here's a bunch of other people like doing their own thing. I can too. So having the access to this equipment that you otherwise would have to own um, gives you the opportunity to play with the technology, which is something very rare. Because even if you were to own some of this equipment, its primary job would be like returning its investment. So it would have a job to do and any sort of freedom or any sort of playtime would have to be budgeted around that machine schedule. But here, um, everyone has access to play with them. It just promotes creativity and promotes a lot of thinking that otherwise would just kind of go by the wayside or just stay in a notebook or something. I've heard from a lot of the engineers that I know that most of the time, the best innovation, the best new ideas happen after the lights go off in the front office right. at a company that right. they work in. Yeah. When the engineers are just able to stay late and hang out and screw around with the technology, and, and you called it playtime, but I think at the end of the day, there's value in that. I think that's why we start as very young kids yep. playing is because it drives the creative process. Yeah, and we value that here too. I mean, you, you see all around the office, like all sorts of crazy inventions that aren't really, um, <laughs> that don't really have a purpose other than being fun. Bill Feenup, M-Hub's co-founder and director of innovation, made sure to point those out on the tour. So this is my desk. I got a little slinky machine. Um, this juggles a slinky back and forth. Um, and it's meant to showcase um, you know, it was my first Arduino project, so um, it speaks to what an Arduino can do. It's a programmable logic chip, which can take inputs and outputs from sensors and control actuators like the motors, uh, the air pistons, and the, and the magnets that you see here. Um, and you can program it an algorithm um, to do complicated tasks, like move a slinky around. Um, this here is a, uh, a Red Bull chiller, so it, it cools a can of Red Bull in about five minutes. That's um, critical. It is because, you know, if... if uh... Here, Bill worked a pedal on the floor, launching a can out of a pneumatic tube and grabbed it out of midair. You need a cold Red Bull, you just step on that and it pops up and you get a cold can. <laughs> I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> and yes, there was even a pile of perfectly toasted bagels sitting out on the tour, the product of the prototype developed by M-Hub members for Marmon Group. Chief Innovation Officer Jeff Garasha says they might never have found their IoT solution without this unique partnership. Our own internal engineering base is, you know, a lot more 
on the mechanical engineering, fluid flow, heat transfer side, sort of the, you know, how the devices work. Um, here we get the people on how to build the control systems, the software, the apps, um, the things that, uh, you know, sort of make your toaster a 21st century toaster. Um, and that's becoming a more important part of our, our business, but it's still not our our core, right? We're not we're not an IT company. We're not a technology company. Um, we're a toaster company, among other things. Uh, and so, having the ability to uh, to bring that talent in from someplace like MHub is really helpful to us because now all of a sudden our our toaster can have all the latest technology, all the latest IT support, um, and we can still fundamentally focus on making it the best toaster. I actually talked to one of the engineers that worked on one of your projects a little bit earlier. Um, he said that what he worked on was very hush-hush, so don't worry, your confidentiality is intact. But he said that it was rewarding and gratifying for him because he knew that what he was building was actually going to be put into a product and sold en masse. What do you hear from the people that work on your projects uh, in terms of what they get out of it? No, we've, we've had similar feedback that they, they've enjoyed the challenges because we usually come in with um, things that are sort of, uh, you know, from their perspective, completely left field. For us, they're like sort of bread and butter in the business, but, you know, for, uh, for the people here, they're, they're very different. Uh, and we were able to, in a period of less than a month, go from, hey, we need some help to we've got a working prototype. Uh, and it's that speed that, that um, is one of the big benefits. And you couple that with the flexibility, and it's really kind of kind of hard to beat. You know, it's sort of a, uh, um, you know, a talent pool in, uh, in reverse. And, you know, I'm really not sure I should even be here today because now if uh, all you guys want to come and use it, it'll make it harder for us. So <laughs> it's really a horrible place. You shouldn't come here at all. <laughs> Hopefully we'll see more of these sorts of places cropping up. And I know that it really seems like this is a, a, a trend that you see developing it, in more cities. It, it is. A lot of people have the incubator hubs and uh, a lot of people have the... Um, the maker spaces. You know, we're actually looking to help create this type of space in other markets where we have some of our other uh, uh, company locations uh, in order to provide the same type of experience without having to have everyone come into Chicago. You summed up for me, I think, really well uh, that at Marmon, you're aggressive capitalists, I think you said. Mm -hmm. And uh, upon reviewing your investment here in MHub, you found it absolutely to be worth the investment. Going forward, would you advise other companies similar to yours to invest in their own makerspace? Uh, you know, I think partnering with a, uh, a makerspace makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, it provides a lot of flexibility. Uh, it gives you access to uh, a different set of talent than you would probably hire on your own. Uh, and it also, uh, I think, provides a, you know, an interesting, um, different environment for your employees to come to from, uh, from time to time. Um, and you know, so when you when you look at all of it, uh, you know, M Hub is a valuable resource for us. One that we're looking to uh, to expand and grow. Uh, one that we're looking to replicate. So I would definitely recommend that others uh, give it uh, a thought as well. And many of the AEM members that attended our Thinking Forward event at M Hub came away with plans of their own to get involved with a local incubator or makerspace, like Scott Radke of the United Group. We're a manufacturer of uh, chairs and seating. And we're looking for ways to smarten up the product, so to speak. The fabrication and so forth, we have that taken care of, but it's the electronic side that we're looking toward. Sensors, uh, connectivity, that type of thing. So that's what, we're that's what we will most likely explore from uh, this exposure. All around, our trip to M-Hub was an excellent opportunity for the 50 or so AEM members who came out, heard from Jeff, and took the tour. In addition to what we covered here, there were other speakers on the future of the industry and the current state of the markets. 
And I hope this episode of our podcast captures some of that cool collaborative energy that epitomizes AEM's Thinking Forward events, but you don't have to take my word for it. Noah Okenberg is the Director of Business Development at Pop Art, the AEM member company that has sponsored the Thinking Forward event series this year. What really roped you into the Thinking Forward event series and, and what are you most excited about this year? Sure. Yeah, and I think it was, uh, you know, you and I were both at the one up in Seattle uh, last year. It's that intersection of technology and manufacturing and specifically, um, you know, we're not talking about manufacturing clothes or, or, you know, beauty supplies, but we're talking about manufacturing uh, the, uh, the big things that build the things that we all use and um, live off of every day. So um, you don't get a lot of chances to, to, to find where those places intersect. In fact, they're, they're kept um, sometimes compartmentalized and sort of divided in, in, in a lot of our you know, everyday life and society. So you know, when, when we got to the Seattle place and we just got done walking through um, the, the Genie facility and, and seeing their manufacturing uh, workflow and everything like that and creating the big, uh, big piece of equipment they have, and then drove over to the Microsoft uh, campus and got in a, a little you know underground bunker and got to put on the HoloLens and walk on the surface of Mars. Right? Yeah, it was incredible. But you know, to have all of that happen within just a few hours and then to see how they related, um, you know, it's 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 nothing short of mind blowing if you geek out on this kind of stuff, um, which I do and I, I know you do too. So um, guilty. And and it's more than just and it's more than just the sort of entertainment or sort of you know geek out factor, but um, it's. It's actually, I mean, you know, and I'm going to keep banging this drum and say it over and over again, but it's, it's critical to the industry. You know, if we're not exploring these avenues of, of, of that intersection between technology and, and manufacturing and, and especially in the heavy equipment space, then, you know, things are going to fall behind and, and, and rapidly. And so if Noah and I have piqued your interest here, you really ought to make plans to come out to one of these events. There's still five of them left this year in different cities all over the country, and I'm going to be at all but one of them myself. Coming up real fast on June 5th in Minneapolis-St. Paul, creating a culture of innovation will be the topic at the 3M Innovation Center. And this is really cool because 3M doesn't normally open up their doors to the public, so we're going to be lucky to get a peek behind the scenes in Minneapolis there. Then on August 23rd, I am really excited for our event in San Francisco. First of all, we're going to be just a short ride on the 280 from the beating heart of Silicon Valley. And appropriately enough, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and generative design at Autodesk's Pier 9 workshop. Yes, there will be a tour, and yes, it's going to be awesome. Definitely don't miss this one in San Francisco. But you've got to register ahead of time, and space is limited. So head over to aem.org think to learn more, see the other dates, and sign up. Also, a great way to stay on top of industry trends is to follow AEM on LinkedIn. Just search up the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. You can get a look at the news and events, everything that we put up on our LinkedIn page. And as long as I'm doing shameless plugs, if you enjoyed this podcast, do me a little favor, will you? Open up your podcasting app and subscribe to our updates. Maybe leave a comment or a rating. It helps our podcast get into the earbuds of other tech junkies like you. And if you have something to say to me directly, just shoot me an email, podcast at aem.org. So thanks to our AEM team for putting together a great Thinking Forward event in Chicago. You guys always crush it, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the lineup this whole year. The AEM Thinking Forward podcast is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Little Glass Men does the music. And for AEM, thanks for listening. I'm Dusty Weiss.